Hey there folks, you're listening to the Carolina Panthers episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. My name is Neil Dutton, you can follow me on Twitter at ndutton13. Our guest today is Brian Bevers-Lewis, he's a writer for Cat Scratch Reader, the Panthers SB Nation site. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Bevers-Lewis. We'll talk about some of the key questions surrounding the Panthers for the year to come, namely the security of head coach Ron Rivera with the team under new ownership, how the pecking order of Panthers pass catchers currently stands, what we can expect from the team on the ground in 2018 and how the defence will look under a new defensive coordinator and without Thomas Davis. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about some of the things Brian and I talked about, then we'll take a closer look at some of the key Panthers players using some of the apps available at Rotoviz. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site and now let's bring on our guest. Delighted to be joined by Brian Bevers-Lewis. He's a writer for Cat, Cat, Cat Scratch Reader. Uh, that's the Carolina Panthers SB Nation site. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Bevers-Lewis. Brian, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm very, very well. How's yourself? Oh, not too bad. Just started the first day of my vacation for a week, so can't complain at all. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's all right for some. Uh, we'll get straight into it where the reason we got you here um, obviously the Carolina Panthers new ownership uh, this season after the uh, Jerry Richardson debacle should we say uh, Ron Rivera is 64-47-1 as the Panthers head coach and was given a new contract extension earlier this off season but given the new ownership is he under more pressure than normal heading into 2018 do you think? bad season he is, I think he's going to get one season with all this, just because for the new owner, it made sense just to keep everything in place, because with how, with the timing of everything, like coming in right before the offseason started, um, I will say he's definitely not as safe as he would have been if Gary Richardson stuck around. Um, I think he's bought himself a little leeway, though, at least for one season. I'd be more apt to be concerned for uh, general manager Marty Hurney than anybody this year if uh, things go wrong. Because then Pepper might move him out, move him out, and uh, bring in the guy he wants to. I mean, that would be worrying as well. I mean, if you know Marty Herney isn't there, who's going to pay all these veterans? You know, with the contracts they probably don't deserve. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Pepper has enough of a, enough clout around the NFL, being a former minor owner of the Steelers, that he probably has somebody in mind if uh, Marty Herney doesn't work out, as far as being GM is concerned. Um, one of the biggest changes, obviously, um, is on the coaching side of the ball. Um, the the reign of Shula is now over, and North Turner is in as offensive coordinator. Since um, since Cam Newton's first came to the team, obviously the Panthers have been one of the more run heavy teams in the NFL. Do you see this changing under North uh, and them using the pass more, or do you think they'll stick with what's worked in the past? I think they're gonna. I think they are going to move to a more pass. I wouldn't say pass-heavy, but less run-heavy would be my best, the best way to put it. They've surrounded Cam with guys like Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, who are all really fast, uh, really good with the ball in their hands. So it's something where, you know, they might be running the ball out of the backfield. They might be throwing the ball out of the backfield or throwing the ball in the slot for more short yardage stuff to get the ball out of Cam Cam's faster. He's still going to run the ball, though. Like, Norv understands that you can't, you can't turn Cam into just a pure pocket passer. It's just not going to work. He's he's at his best when he's allowed to just be what he is, which is Cam Newton. I was that was going to be the next question. Obviously, um, Norv spoke earlier this off season that he thinks he can turn Cam Newton into a high percentage uh, passer. 
it's, it's a nice uh, nice theory in principle, but I don't think you know I don't think anyone would ever call Cam Newton particularly the most accurate quarterback. It's been talked of for years that the Panthers want to try and scale back how much running Cam Newton actually does, but a year ago he set career highs in rush attempts and rushing yards. So, and he's totally unlike any quarterback I think that Norv has actually worked with in the past. So, uh, do you think going into the season we'll see? He'll still be allowed to be Cam Newton, but he will maybe be given more opportunities to use his arm than his legs. Cam's been, for, just to give you some perspective, in the first three preseason games, he's had over 60% completion percentage. I think it was around 65 or 67 going into uh, New England. Um, he, You're right, he's definitely not the most accurate quarterback as far as uh, completion percentage is concerned, but he's always been very good at dropping the ball in where in very tight windows. I think it's a matter of, you know, being comfortable in the pocket and uh, having the right, having protection around him. I actually think that this isn't going to be all that crazy for Cam Newton as far as what Norv is going to do because the first uh, offensive coordinator he had was Rob Tabinski, who was a Norv Turner pupil and brought in a lot of the same principles and concepts that Norv Turner is going to be running now. Um, I think what they're going to focus more on is uh, – obviously getting the ball out of Cam Newton's hands faster, but he's very strong in the intermediate to deep passing zones, and that's what North Turner's offense is set up to do. So I think there's going to be a lot a lot of downfield passing as well as these uh, un- underneath, like get the ball out for Cam. Um, I don't think it's going to be all that difficult for him, though, because it's not anything new. Concepts have all been there since his rookie year. It's just the guy who initially installed them in San Diego is now going to be the one who's going to be coaching him. So when we talk about the passing game, do you can you see a clear cut number one wide receiver emerging, or is it going to be a case of Devin Funchess, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Tory Smith? They'll all be mixed in, and they'll all pretty much they'll, they'll all have a role to play. It seems like Devin Funchess is, is starting to make his mark as the guy they're going to have as like their de facto number one as far as receivers go. But Greg Olson's always going to be an X factor as far as that goes with that. Uh, who the number one target is going to be, who the number one is going to be on, on a different play. Um, they are going to use all four of their newer wide receivers, uh, DJ Moore, Tory Smith, uh, Curtis Samuel, um, Darius Wright. They're all going to have their role, so it's not like one guy is going to dominate touches, as you said. So it's, I would say if you're looking at it as like who is their number one wide receiver, it's Stephen Funches, but they're all going to be involved. You mentioned Greg Olson there. Um, he obviously was injured for a large part of last season and didn't really look his best when he did play. From what you've seen, does he look like he could be back to his pre-2017 uh, form? Absolutely. I mean, he looked exactly like his old self playing against New England this past week. Um, I think what happened last year, I mean, he was coming off a broken foot. That's not something where you sit out 14 weeks and all the pain goes away, you know. So he was playing with a lot of pain and... Uh, Sometimes it got the best of him. He, towards the end of the year, especially in the playoffs, he was, you know, he was there. He was playing. He was still somebody that can could rely on, but he seems to be 100% healthy and he seems to be his own self. Um, one of the other tight ends, uh, another rookie this year, is Ian Thomas. Have you seen anything from him to suggest he could have a role in 2018, or is he more the, the long-term successor almost to Greg Olson? I think he's going to be involved this year because he was already a polished run blocker coming out of college. Um, he was supposed to be their third tight end, but then the second guy, Chris Manhurst, broke his foot. And since then, he's been getting a lot of snaps in the preseason. Um, I think he'll definitely be involved as far as being a second tight end goes. As far as being like a much of a passing option, 
Well, I'm not so sure because they have a lot of other mouths to feed in the offense, along with all the receivers we just talked about. You know, Christian McCaffrey is going to be heavily involved in the passing game, so it might just be a matter of those mouths to feed, but I definitely think he's going to see the field. Uh, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey there. Obviously, um, one of the big changes at running back was Jonathan Stewart was released. There was speculation that when the Panthers signed CJ Anderson, he was brought in essentially to replace Stewart as part of the committee at running back. But given the way the Panthers have used the running backs in the preseason, it looks more likely that the backfield belongs to Christian McCaffrey. Do you see him becoming a genuine workhorse and... Anderson just getting the odd carry, the odd series here, or is it going to be a committee approach again? I think he's uh, won the back the uh, the backfield as far as that goes. I was I think a lot of people thought that when the coaches were saying we want to get Christian McCaffrey twenty five touches a game that they were just you know blowing smoke. But in the preseason, if he had played every snap, if he had played you know an entire game, he'd be pretty close to that almost every game. So. It seems like he's definitely taken over as the workhorse. I mean, they're running him between the tackles. I think that Anderson will be more situational. Um, but you always need a guy who can turn out those power rush yards. And obviously, Cam Newton is one of those guys. But Anderson seems like the power back, you know, punch option to bring in alongside McCaffrey. But no, I don't see it being like the timeshare like it was last season. They seem to have fully committed to Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, he's one of the big. Um say stumbling blocks to both McCaffrey or Anderson, whoever's at running back is when it comes down to like the business area of the football field, you know, the the red zone that Cam Newton more often than not is the Panthers short yardage back. Do you see that changing or is he still going to be the preferred option when it comes to uh, running in the scoring zone? I wouldn't call him the preferred option. I think he would be, I think he'll be somebody where situationally they'll probably use him. Just the fact that he's on the field makes, makes it a problem for defenses in the red zone. You know, he's still going to have those times where he just takes off on a passing play, and uh, there are going to be designed runs, but I don't think he'll be the preferred option. I think they're going to be more likely to try and get it to C.J. Anderson and try, or try and get it to Christian McCaffrey, or even a guy like uh, Curtis Samuel or D.J. Moore who can run with the ball in their hands. They have a lot of guys who can do that, so I think the, the preferred deal here is to try and get one of those guys to do it, but obviously, you know, third and, third and five, third and four, you know, Cam's probably going to want to take that ball. So it might not even be Norm Turner's choice. <laughs> um, how concerned are you regarding the Panthers' offensive line? It was a bit spotty at times last year. Now, obviously, Andrew Norwell has left for Jacksonville. Do you see it being a a, a, a area of concern for the Panthers this season? It's been an area of concern all offseason, and it's only gotten worse once uh, injuries to Daryl Williams, the starting right tackle, uh, injuries to Matt Khalil just got his knee stoked last week, so he's week to week now. He was the starting left tackle. Um, I mean, he was at least slated to be competing for the left guard spot, and he, he hurt himself as well. Um, all those guys seem like they're going to be back at some point this season, but as for the start of the season, there's some issues there with depth, but they were surprisingly impressive against the Patriots. And the Patriots came off an eight-sack game last week, and then they played against the Panthers, very spotty offensive line, and, uh, Backup right tackle slash second round pick from last season, Taylor Moten, played extremely well at left tackle. And the backup guard, Greg Van Roten, did very well at left guard. They were running a lot behind those two guys, and they had a lot of production with the first team offense. So I still think it's an area of concern, but I've been pleasantly surprised by how well it's done recently. 
Um, one of the areas that the Panthers have been associated with as a position of strength, certainly since Ron Rivera has been the head coach, has been the defence. Obviously, Steve Wilkes uh, has gone for, as defensive coordinator. He's now in uh, Arizona. How's the new coach doing? Is the system going to change much from uh, what it was previously? And do you think it can still be a competitive unit? I think it's not going to change much. It's tough to say right now, just because in the preseason they're not throwing out all their all the looks they're going to give offenses because they don't want to put that on film. But I mean, Eric Washington has been their longtime defensive line coach. The guys there love him, um, so it wasn't like they had to bring in a new guy who was going to try and work in a new scheme. It's a lot of the same players, so it's it seems like they're just going to run with what they had last year for the most part. I don't know how aggressive he's going to be with blitzing like Steve Wilkes was, but. Given the three quarterbacks that are in the division that the Panthers have got to go up against, do you think the pass defense can um, can nullify the threat when called upon? They did, they did okay last year. Um, it's tough because James Bradbury is going to be looked upon once again to be the number one corner. Um, I think them bringing in Dante Jackson, the second round rookie who with, who had like the fastest forty time of all players in the draft, he seems to be playing really well, and that is something they haven't had a lot in the defense. Speed. So I think they are ready to, to bring up to go up against those quarterbacks, but the front seven will certainly help a lot. So if you were to take a take a look at the defense and pick out a weak point, I would say the the back ends, the safeties are definitely a problem. But the Panthers have went with worse before in the secondary and still had a top ten defense, so it's not exactly you know a huge area of concern. Um, what? How does it look, the situation, considering the fact that um, Thomas Davis is obviously going to be missing? What um, what plans have the team made to replace him in the lineup? Uh, Jack Thompson was a first-round pick on, in 2015 at linebacker. Uh, very much the same skill set, highly athletic, uh, very very cerebral player. Um, he's, been, he's had a heck of an off-season so far, and in preseason he looked every bit apart. Um, he's the guy they're going to they're they're plug and play there, and honestly... From the sound of it, Davis is going to have less of a role than he did. Instead of playing, you know, like every snap on defense like he was for the past several seasons, seems like Thompson is going to have more of a role than him. So they actually have quite the good backup plan there. Um, so with all that in mind, I'll say the change on the offense, uh, the change on the defense, and you know the continuity that they do have in the key positions. Do you see this team as one of the many Super Bowl contenders in the NFC? I can't commit to calling them a, a Super Bowl contender because they have so many question marks. I mean, so far everything seems to be looking good. And I mean, they, they look every, a lot like this 2015 squad that went to the Super Bowl. But that team got very lucky as far as things like injuries were concerned. Um, the passing, the offensive line held up really well despite being very patchwork. So it's tough. They could very, they, they could very easily be a 15 and one squad. They could very easily be a six and 10 squad. Um, Well, that's great. Thank you very much for talking to us. That's Brian Bevers-Lewis. Find him at CatScratchReader. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Bevers-Lewis. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. That was my chat with Brian Bevers-Lewis. After the break, we'll take a look at some of the things Brian and I talked about and we'll have a look at some of the key players using some of the apps available at Rotoviz. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. 
With just days left in the 2018 fantasy draft season, the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interests and budget. Whether it's best ball, superflex, or classic managed leagues, there are dozens of live drafts filling all day long, starting at just a $35 entry fee. Now are you ready for your greatest challenge? Then check out the FFPC main event. In its 11th season, the main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, or draft online from the comfort of your own home. Play for the $250,000 grand prize, over $2.2 million in total prizes and fantasy immortality. Over 1,400 diehards like you are already signed up. What are you waiting for? Don't miss the FFPC experience, Rotovis listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Welcome back to the Carolina Panthers episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series. Before the break, we spoke to Brian Bevers-Lewis of Cat Scratch Reader, the Panthers SB Nation site. Really, really interesting chat about all things Panthers-related. They are an interesting team. Obviously, they went to the playoffs last year. The NFC South, one of the more competitive divisions in the NFL, has been for a number of years. But there have, you know, there has been change for the Panthers. Obviously, a brand-new offensive coordinator, North Turner, change on the defensive coordinator as well. You know, it's going to be a competitive division, as we know. They still have, they have to contend with the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, regardless of whether you think they're going to be any good or not. It's just a question of you know whether this team has enough talent on defence. They certainly have some intriguing pieces on offence. Um, we'll talk about uh, some of them in a minute. Starts with Cam Newton, of course. For some reason, Cam doesn't seem to get the respect he deserves. He is a ridiculously consistent performer, especially in fantasy football. I say they've got some nice pieces coming along that seem to be growing into their roles defensively. I'm not too sure that you know their back. The defensive backfield is not great. Uh, hasn't been for a number of years, to be honest. Uh, since Josh Norman went, they have been seriously lacking talent there. They still have Luke Keekley, obviously one of the better middle linebackers in the NFL, but no Thomas Davis. It's going to question to see you know, whether they can adequately reproduce the production they've had without Davis. What I'd like to do now is take a closer look at some of the key players on the Panthers' offence. Uh, we spoke about them with Brian, using some of the apps that we have available at Rotoviz. As we say, Rotoviz has over 20 proprietary apps. They really are fantastically informative, lots of information, lots of different metrics to consider. One of the key players that we did speak about with Brian is Christian McCaffrey. Now, he was part of a committee last season with uh, with Jonathan Stewart, who is now a member of the New York Giants, and he hasn't lost a beat, according to uh, the Giants. Well, I don't know what Jonathan Stewart they've been watching. Uh, McCaffrey wasn't a, big, wasn't a big part of the ground game last year. He only had 170 rush attempts, but he was a big part of the passing game. So what I wanted to do was have a look at various comparable players for McCaffrey, given his workload from their first season. So using the rope of his screener, I had a look at running backs in their rookie season from 2010 to 2017, and I wanted to look at their rushing attempts, their rush yards, touchdowns, also their work as a receiver, so their targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, and also PPR points. And I wanted to get a good idea of maybe some potential range of outcomes for McCaffrey based on what he did in his first year to how he can push on into year two. So putting all those inf- uh, all that information into the rote of his screener app, the four comparable players, the closest comps in terms of first-year usage to McCaffrey we got were Jarvid Best in 2010, 
Giovanni Bernard, 2013, Javorius Buck Allen, 2015, and Duke Johnson in 2015 as well. Now, all of these players, with the exception of Duke Johnson, had more rushing attempts than C-Mac as rookies. Uh, Javid Best had 171, Gio Bernard had 170, Buck Allen had 138, McCaffrey had only 117, Duke Johnson had 104. So in terms of rushing yards as well, McCaffrey was behind all of them except Duke Johnson. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, 695, Javid Best, 555, Buck Allen, 516. In terms of touchdowns, again, he was behind most of them, but not all of them. Uh, Gio Bernard had five, Javid Best four, Christian McCaffrey had two, Buck Allen had one, Duke Johnson had zero. Now, though, we come into an area where McCaffrey far outweighs the production of his peers, and that's in the receiving game. McCaffrey had 113 targets, that's most of any of them. He had 80 receptions, again, more than any of them. 651 yards, you're not going to guess, more than any of them, and five receiving touchdowns. So basically what this gave him was he had 230 PPR points as a rookie. The next closest was Gio Bernard with 224. Now the one big thing that we've noticed this preseason is that Christian McCaffrey seems to be almost the every down back. As Brian said, Christian McCaffrey has won this backfield. This seems to be his job, his turf. So none of those players were able to establish themselves as workhorses in their second season and in all the cases for any season to come. They've just remained peripheral pieces of their offence. So Christian McCaffrey, can we expect 113 targets again? I don't know, especially because he's going to get more carries, but he should still be a valuable contributor if his carries go up, even if his targets drop a little a little bit. He's going to be involved. He's certainly worth, at the moment, the price you're paying to get him in redraft, in PPR and standard. Another of the players we spoke about was Devin Funches. Now, this is Devin Funches' fourth year in the league. He came in um, as one of these hybrids, didn't know whether he was going to be a wide receiver or a tight end. He took a little bit of bedding in. He actually led the Panthers in receiving yards last year with 840 and led them in touchdowns, uh, touchdown receptions with eight. So I wanted to have a look at his career so far and look for comparable players, again, using the Rotovis screener app. Um, so comparable players between 2015 and 2017. And I wanted to have a look at their targets, receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, and PPR points. And to be honest, looking at the closest comparable players, it does seem to be a list of potential breakout candidate sleepers for this season. Um, so we've got Devin Funches in the course of those three seasons has 233 receptions, uh, 233 targets, sorry, 117 receptions, 1,684 yards, 17 touchdowns, 387.4 PPR points. Well, the close comps to Funches were Kenny Stills, who's had more targets, more receptions, more yards, one more touchdown, Alan Hearns, John Brown, and Dante Moncrief. The one big advantage that Funches would seem to have over all of them, with the possible exception of Kenny Stills, is he's probably going to be the guy in the offense. That's what Brian said. And as we say, last year he put a career, he had a career season in terms of receptions, yards, and touchdowns. But one potential sticking point is that he did an awful lot of his damage when Greg Olson was not at his most effective. So if we use the Game Splits app. We look at the games in which Devin Funches played last season and the games that Greg Olsen played with him, and Olsen had at least four targets. So that's split the 16 games. 
out of split, so the games that Olsen did not meet that criteria, Devin Funches averaged 7.6 targets, 4.36 receptions, 57.6 receiving yards, 0.6 touchdowns, and 13.95 PPR points. If we extract this over a full season, uh, we get 70 receptions, 922 yards, 10 touchdowns, 223 PPR points. In the five games that Olsen was targeted at least four times, there is a significant drop-off. We see his targets go down to 5.6, receptions down to 3, receiving yards to 41.2, receiving touchdowns to 0.2, and his PPR points to 8.3. Now, if Greg Olsen is back to the player he was in 2016 and 15 he did have he has had three back-to-back thousand yard seasons the only tight end in NFL history to manage that then there is a danger especially as we know that Olsen and Cam Newton have had a long-standing connection more long-standing than the one he has with Funchess there is a chance that Funchess could see a drop in production certainly a drop in targets but if Olsen is in any way hampered by the foot injury then Funches, his current ADP, he is going to be the leading wide receiver. But does that mean he'll be the leading receiver? It's just that, just the idea that most of his work came when Olsen was not fully fit and firing. One last point, uh, going back to Christian McCaffrey, I mentioned that he, you know, seems to be a bigger part of the offense in the ground game. And I did bring this up with Brian, especially when it comes to the scoring area, so the red zone. That seems to be Cam Newton's preserve and has been for a large part of his career. So I had a look again at the rope of his screener. I went to Cam Newton. So using the screener app, I wanted to have a look at red zone rush attempts from 2011 to 2017, so the span of Cam Newton's NFL career. When we look at this, and also rushing touchdowns as well, when we look at this, Cam Newton has had 186 rush attempts inside the red zone since 2011. That is the 12th most of any player in the NFL. All 11 players above Cam Newton on this list are running backs. So that shows you how well he has been used. He has 53 red zone rushing touchdowns, which leads the NFL. All those running backs who've had more carries than him, none of them have had more touchdowns in the red zone than Cam Newton. So I break it down using the rotovis screener. You can look for individual seasons or multi-season views. I've had a look at his rush attempts and his rush attempts market share and his rushing touchdowns inside the red zone from 2011 to 2017. Now, Brian did say that he's probably not the first choice to run in certainly terms of the way the team would like him to do. They'd probably like him to hand off to, in the past, it was Jonathan Stewart. Now it's McCaffrey, maybe CJ Anderson. But if you have a look, his lowest market share for rushing attempts inside the red zone is 22%. And that was in 2013. His career high was 54% in 2011. 2016, he had 25%. Last season, when he had, he did set career highs in rush attempts and rush yards last season. He had 27 rushing attempts. That was good for 34% of all the team carries inside the 20. And he had six rushing touchdowns. So, as much as the Panthers might like him to hand off to Christian McCaffrey or throw the ball in the red zone, I think they're going to have a hard time trying to get him out of this habit, which is great for fantasy because, as I say, you're getting a quarterback, you're going to get his passing production, and you're getting one of the NFL's best short yardage backs. That's what makes Cam Newton still valuable in fantasy, regardless of how he is used by North Turner in the Panthers offense this season. Well, that's going to do it for the 2018 team preview series edition for the Carolina Panthers. A big thank you to Brian Bevers-Lewis for joining us. My name is Neil Dutton. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Thank you.